This is TV News Moms Unfiltered. All right, so we brought in an expert to answer your questions. Uh, we have former Baltimore City um, Health Commissioner, Dr. Lena Wynn, um, to help us navigate this. And you are about to have another one. <laughs> so you're one of the people who has to be especially careful. That's true, even though there isn't sufficient evidence about how this new coronavirus, COVID-19, will affect pregnant women. Okay. Pregnant women are medically vulnerable in general. Right. And so I am, in fact, one of those people <laughs> oh. who thinks about this all the time. But frankly, we should all be thinking about it. This should be front of mind for everyone. Because even if we are not in the most at-risk category, we're still at risk for contracting the disease and transmitting it to other people too. Which brings up the question of kids. You know, we've yes. been hearing what we can do as adults, as parents. We haven't heard cases of children actually contracting the, the COVID-19. Is that that they're carriers? Can they get this? What, what are you finding? What we know based on the cases that we've seen in China and around the world is that Different from the flu, where children and pregnant women tend to get very sick if they get COVID or if, if they get influenza, with COVID-19, this seems to affect primarily older people, people over 60 with underlying medical conditions, and in particular, people over 80 with lung conditions and other problems. Kids, though, can still get sick and, in fact, do still get sick. The likelihood of them dying or having severe illness is much lower than it is for older people. We don't yet know why this is the case, right. but kids can definitely get sick and importantly, they can transmit it to others even mm -hmm. if they have mild symptoms or no symptoms at all. So here's my question when it comes to the kids then because I feel like kids are just germy germy all the time. Oh, I mean, right. since my daughter went to, to kindergarten and she has had a sniffle, I mean, pretty much all, all year. It's, you know, different times it's better or worse. Uh, so how do you know and especially in kids if it it's probably going to be a milder version how do you know if it is um if it's the covid or if it's just i've got another cough because i touched susie at school or right. you know and then if you think it's just another cough then is there any reason to take them to be checked out or do you just keep them home? So walk us through that. <laughs> I mean, you're right that kids are germy to use yes. your words. Oh. I, I have a two and a half year old and I watch and see what he touches. And Everything goes just, into his mouth yes. and he touches other kids and other kids touch him and they put stuff in their mouth. I mean, it's this is why though, um, so often people recommend school closures mm -hmm. as a way to reduce the rate of, of, of transmission. During H1N1 epidemic, back in 2009 during other epidemic school closures have been essential because kids are vectors of transmission do you think that's extreme in this case of what we're seeing in the current climate here in the u.s here in maryland for instance do we need that here is that too much so it is a really hard call especially in places like baltimore city where many kids may depend on schools as their only source of food mm -hmm. and where there are already big disparities when it comes to educational outcomes and there are real cost to closing right. down schools too. And also the other problem is what happens when schools are closed because kids may still be congregating mm -hmm. and they may still be spreading it to each other. And really helping, huh? yeah, and also parents and caregivers may have to stop working and what if they're healthcare workers? I mean, there are all kinds of factors to weigh as well. But in general, social distancing, meaning stopping the crowding of people, including of children, is really important to contain outbreaks. But would you do that? We haven't seen, we've seen nine cases in Maryland, but we haven't seen 
any in the city. We haven't seen any in several counties. Um, so would you do that in a place where you haven't seen anything or would you only shut down things? Like in the case of New Rochelle, New York, they saw a huge spike in that one mile radius and, and said, all right, so let's nip this in the bud because we're seeing that it jumped from one to you know 80 something people all just very quickly. Would you shut it down just across the board or only in situations like that? Yeah, this is exactly it. It's a very challenging decision. Yeah. And in public health emergencies, just like in any other emergencies, hindsight is 2020. Because you look back and I mean now we look back and weeks ago we should have gotten more tests. That's a big problem that the US did not produce nearly enough tests. But imagine if weeks ago when there were no cases in the US, imagine if we said, oh, we're going to produce over a million tests, people would have said, oh, this is an overreaction. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I don't know how we'll weigh the situation too. We certainly don't want to wait until it's too late. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, there are costs to shutting things down too early as well. I would say right now, at this very moment as we're speaking, that we are just about to hit a pretty massive escalation of coronavirus in the US because we have not had the ability to test. Once we start testing, we're going to find that there mm -hmm. has been community transmission across the country. And it's right. too late. Well, it's not necessarily too late, but it definitely is time for us to act now, to take aggressive action now. Um, and but frankly- do you think that means more people are getting it as we speak yes, too? That yeah. it's, it's, absolutely. it's, it's I mean, spreading. Two, two weeks ago, there were 15 cases of COVID-19 diagnosed in the US. We are now, two weeks later, at over 1,000. And that's with limited testing capacity, which means that there are many more cases, including of people with mild symptoms or no symptoms who are just not getting picked up, but they're transmitting it to others. Okay, so that is, that, that's a call the government and, and the schools mm -hmm. will make. That is not a call that individual parents can make. So to try to ease some of their fears or concerns now, because they're like, well, now I still gotta put my kid on the school bus exactly. tomorrow and take them yeah, and send them to school. What do schools need to do in terms of trying to keep things disinfected and keep things clean? And then parents, I mean, it's hard because for we have little ones, you can say a million times, right. don't touch your don't touch your face, don't right. do this, wash your hands every time. Those kids, they're not gonna do it. I, you know, and it's so, not realistic either. Mm -hmm. Like we, we mentioned, I, we took my family to dinner last night. We each did the antibacterial, then we held the menu. So then you'd have to do it again. And you know, it seems like everything you touch, then you'd have to disinfect. Is this realistic to, to constantly be doing? Can we do this? We can and we should. Yeah. Individual actions right now are what will make the biggest difference. And I really agree that we have to do whatever we can right. because we can't control what everybody else is doing, but so we can what do, do the whatever schools we can. Do? What so, should they do? Well, let's start with what the parents can each do. Okay. If your child is sick with a, with sniffles, with, with fever, with anything, do not send them to school out of an abundance of caution. Oh no, my daughter has the sniffles, but I, I, I honestly feel like she's had the sniffles except for a, for a week, the entire school year. And also with coronavirus, the symptoms are fever, cough, shortness of breath, okay, less of that. so with sneezing. But so do you said, need to have all those symptoms before you would say don't go to school? No, I would say yeah. right now, act out of an abundance of caution because you would not want for other kids to be going to school with some symptoms and not all of them and potentially right. infecting your kids. So do what you can to keep your kids at home. Mm -hmm. Teach them if they're, if they're able to. Yeah. My two-year-old probably cannot do this, but if they can, um, teach them to cough or sneeze into something yes. else, yeah. into right. their sleeve, not into the open. And you gotta washing. teach some adults that. Yep. <laughs> I mean, my gosh, but yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah, and washing your hands, you cannot at this point wash your hands enough. I mean, the vast majority of us 
do not wash our hands enough. And it's true, once we start noticing how many surfaces we touch, we're talking about menus at restaurants, or you're at a buffet, or you're opening a door. Coronavirus, just like other viruses, can live on hard, non-porous surfaces for hours even days. Okay. And so whatever we can do to disinfect surfaces at home is really important. And I would say for parents to come up with a plan for if your child does have to be at, at home, mm -hmm. who's going to take care of them? And yeah. what about elderly parents? Is there a way to separate your child away wow. from elderly parents who, or, or elderly people who may be more susceptible to illness? Wow. Okay. And just one more ah, question yes. before we let you yeah. go. How do you talk to the kids about this because some of them are getting a little concerned because Naomi has had this sniffle, which she's had all year, but now somehow she she's worried, mommy, I don't want the virus. I don't want the virus. Um, and I'm like, what? baby girl, you're fine. You, you've got the sniffle. So, but, but obviously it was enough for her to, I mean, she's heard that somewhere, most likely on, you know, with the TV being on because I asked her, did they talk about it in school? And she said, no, but she has a heightened concern. She knows about it. She has a heightened concern. Mm -hmm. And so now how, how do parents talk to kids who it may come up in school or you just hear about it because it's all people are talking about. How do you, you know, talk them down a little? It's a really good question. And I think it's actually something for adults to think about for each other too, because for us, we want to raise concern and take this seriously, but we also don't want to cause panic. Yeah. And I do think that the truth is the best antidote to fear and panic. Mm -hmm. Now, how we convey the truth to children is different, obviously, yeah, than how we convey it, exactly. Yeah. But I do think it's important to talk about the facts yeah. in the way that they might understand, including that, look, there is a virus that's mm -hmm. going around that most people who get it will be just fine. It'll be just like a cold for many people, especially for kids. Yeah. It'll just be like the cold. For others, it may be more serious. Um, and here's what we can do to prevent it, wash your hands a lot, et cetera. But right. I do agree that it's a challenging time. And I would say for the weeks that are coming up, this is going to be a very difficult time for us as a country. Yeah. We should prepare for that. We should be aware that this is coming. And I think it's something that we have to get through together as we have gotten through many different emergencies and problems before. Makes sense. And starting that conversation with the kids, now's the time. Dr. Wen, as always, it's wonderful to have you. Thank you for coming, helping. Thank you. All right. And we want to hear from you as always. Send your questions or uh, comments or story ideas to uh, tvnewsmoms at foxbaltimore.com.